lot of scripture to get through, y'all. Uh, stick with me. John chapter 9. Please read these words with me, if you will, whether that is on your phone. Uh, if you didn't bring a Bible, there's one in the pew in front of you. This is what the Word of God says. It says, as he was passing by, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's kind of common. That's what they thought back there. If somebody had an ailment, it must be because of their sin or their parents' sin. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus answered. This came about so that God's work might be displayed in him. Uh, we must do the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. That means it's going to be dark. It says, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Might want to underline that important statement. After he said these things, he spit on the ground, made some mud from the saliva, and spread the mud on his eyes. This is Jesus, God in the flesh, y'all. Doing a miracle, spitting in the dirt, all right? Spitting in the dirt. You're thinking, ew, uh, it's important. Just, just stick with me. There's some good spiritual stuff here. Spits in the dirt, puts it on, right? Uh, and he spread the mud on his eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, which means sent. So he left, he washed, and he came back seeing. Okay? He, 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 had to, he had to clean off the dirt. And the moment that he was cleansed, he cleaned off the dirt, he saw. Okay? There's some spiritual pictures in that. Just want to share that with you. And so it says, his neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar said, isn't this the one who used to sit begging? Some said he's the one. Others were saying no, but he kind of looks like him. He kept saying, I'm the one, I'm the one. So they asked him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus, he made mud. He spread it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed. I received my sight. Well, where is he? They asked. I don't know, he said. They brought the man who used to be blind to the Pharisees. Now, the day that Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes was a Sabbath. We've already learned about the Pharisees and the Sabbath. Right? Jesus has already proved he's Lord of the Sabbath. Here we go. Then the Pharisees asked him again how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, he told them. I washed and I can see. Now, some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God because he doesn't keep the Sabbath. But others were saying, how can a sinful man perform such signs? And there was a division among them. Again, they asked the blind man, what do you say about him since he opened your eyes? He's a prophet, he said. The Jews did not believe this about him, that he was blind and received sight until they summoned the parents of the one who had received the sight. Like this is, come on, this is comical, right? This guy is a beggar. Everybody knows he's a beggar. He's been blind his whole life. He's been sitting there blind. His eyes are open. Some are like, that's him. Others are like, no, that couldn't be him. Who is Jesus? I don't know. I think he's a prophet. No, he couldn't be a prophet. Go get that guy's parents. Let's make sure that's really, the. this is ridiculous. So they asked him, is this your son? This is the parents now. The one you say was born blind. Listen to that. Oh, I want to punch somebody. How then does he now see? We know this is our son and that he was born blind, his parents answered. But we don't know how he now sees and we don't know who opened his eyes. Ask him, he's of age, he'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they were afraid of the Jews uh, since the Jews had already agreed that if anyone confessed him, that's Jesus as the Messiah, he would be banned from the synagogue. That's spiritual, isn't it? Man, we're longing for the Messiah. We want to see him. But if anybody claims to be him, we're going to kick them out of church. Whew. This is why his parents said he's of age. Ask him. 
So a second time they summoned him, the man who had been blind, and he told him, give glory to God. We, we know that this man is a sinner. The blind man answered, whether or not he's a sinner, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind and now I see. Then they asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? I already told you, he said, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You don't want to become his disciples too now, do you? This guy's now a follower of Jesus. They ridiculed him. You're that man's disciple, but we're Moses' disciples. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but this man, we don't know where he's from. This is an amazing thing, the man told them. You don't know where he is from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but if anyone is God-fearing and does his will, he listens to him. Throughout history, no one has ever heard of someone opening the eyes of a person born blind. If this man were not from God, he wouldn't be able to do anything. It sounds like the blind guy knows more about the Lord than the religious rulers. Here's their response. You were born entirely into sin, and you are trying to teach us, and then they threw him out. Jesus heard what, that they had thrown the man out, and when he found him, he asked him, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, who, who is he, sir, that I may believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, You have, get the gravity of these words, you have seen him. <laughs> oh, that is, that is rich. You have seen seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. I believe, Lord, he said, and he worshiped him. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see, and those who do see will become blind. Some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things, and they asked him, we aren't blind too, are we? If you were blind, Jesus told them, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, your sin remains. Whew. It's a great chapter of Scripture. This passage in its entirety is all about seeing God. Right? It's all about seeing God. It's all about light and, and darkness. It's about the people that are supposed to um, see and know God the best, actually being blind to the movement of God, and the people that have way less information that should be blind to the things of God, receiving their spiritual sight. This passage, this entire chapter, is about the fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. It's about Isaiah 35, 5. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. And all of this, this entire encounter for John who wrote this gospel is proof that Jesus is indeed the Messiah, the Son of God. And, and, and it all goes back. It actually starts in the previous chapter. You see this healing is connected to what Jesus says in John chapter 8, verse 12, one of those I am statements of John. And here's what he says. Jesus speaks to them and he says, I am the light of the world. And anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Jesus says this, and I know there's a chapter marker and you think it's a different thing. And when you do your daily devotions, you don't do these together, but they're together. Jesus says this, and then he's going to go on and give this man sight so that the rest of his life he will not walk in darkness. 
And we know they're related, by the way, because Jesus actually starts uh, his conversation in John chapter 9 with this in verse 5. He says, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. So, so with that all in mind, that is our backdrop, let's talk about what it means for us. Four things. I'm going to move quickly this morning, all right? Four things. Here we are. Number one, I want you to understand that Jesus opens our eyes to what God is like, right? Jesus opens our eyes, you could insert the word really here, to what God is really like, right? So, so this is the point, the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, all of the religious leaders of, of Jesus' day are entirely missing the point. Right? They, they've taken the law, which was meant to be good. They've taken the law, which was meant to be for us so that we might understand the heart of God. They have made it into an idol. They have made it into a system of legality. So they, they're, they're just legalists now. And, and, and listen, they're missing the very heart of God. The law, all of it, was supposed to be wrapped up in two commands that all focused on the greatest attribute of God, which is love. Right? Don't believe me. They asked Jesus at one point. They said, hey, what's the greatest commandment in all of Scripture? Now remember, in their, in their mind, they've got 633 commands they're trying to keep. And, and Jesus goes, well, I'll tell you the greatest one. He quotes Deuteronomy 6.5. And he says this in Matthew uh, 22. He says, love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. He says, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Okay? And then he'll go on to say, all of the law... And the prophets hang on just these two commands, right? So the religious leaders of Jesus' day have taken the law and made it into an idol. They've taken the law and made it something that doesn't involve uh, the heart at all. It's not about love at all. It's about legalism. And Jesus shows up and he's like, that's, that's not God. That's, that's not the purpose. Like, they, they, they have, they're so far from what God... Uh, wants and who God is that it is said. And so Jesus comes, uh, Emmanuel, God with us, God in the flesh. And now we can suddenly see what God is really like. Don't believe me. Uh, look at uh, how the author of Hebrews describes him. Hebrews 1.3 says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. What that means is that if you want to understand what God is like, you just have to look at Jesus. If you've ever read the Old Testament and go, oh, God seems angry or God seems mad or God seems like he doesn't care. Or no, then you want to see the heart of God, then you've misunderstood the Old Testament because Jesus is the exact representation of the nature of God. Right? It's how we see what God is really like. And so Jesus comes... God in the flesh shows up into, into this backdrop, these legalistic people, and, and he comes on mission, right? And so, so he comes to seek and save the lost. And so he starts collecting followers. Now, rabbis all had followers. So they would, they would get the smartest people, the most righteous people, the people that had all their stuff together, uh, which nobody does, but they looked like it. And so Jesus comes and he does the opposite. He calls fishermen and tax collectors. People following him are prostitutes and demon-possessed had, had, had the demons cast out. And he doesn't just like heal them and call them. He then eats with them. And, and, and does life with them, so much so that the religious leaders who look down on all those people are, are so freaked out, they're like, what are you doing? How, how, could, how, 
How can you spend time with them? To which Jesus replies, Matthew 9, 12 through 13, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but those who are sick. Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I didn't come to call the righteous, but sinners. And in that, Jesus shows us the heart of God. He is not angry. He is compassionate. He is full of love and he longs for us. That's who God really is. Some of you walked through the doors this morning and you're here because life is hard and you're just trying to get some stuff figured out. And that's cool. You are so welcome. This is a safe place for you. But some of you walk through with a wrong belief. You think God is just mad at you. You think the circumstances you're going through in life are a result of, of you making dumb choices and God's trying to just hurt you to get back at you or something. Listen, I, I want to tell you this. God doesn't work that way. God loves you. God loves you. Now, God, God in love will discipline you, right, to get some things right. But listen, he, he's not, listen, God loves you. God wants what's best for you. That's who he is. And Jesus shows us that. Jesus shows us. He opens our eyes to what God is really like. Now in doing so, he also does this. Our second point is that Jesus opens our eyes to what God desires, right? Jesus opens our eyes to what God desires of us. So first, he kind of shows us what God is really like, but in doing so, he can't help but show us what God really wants from us. And some of you kind of walked in this morning and you, you're, you're just feeling far away. You feel like, man, I got to get my stuff together. I got to stop this, fix that, do that. Uh, if that is your checklist, I just want to blow that up for you this morning. Uh, that's, that's actually not what God wants from you. God may eventually bring those things to life in you, uh, but, but what God desires, we actually see, we just looked at this verse, Matthew 9, 12 and 13. It's not those who are well and need a doctor, but those who are sick. Ready? Go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Now, now remember uh, who Jesus is speaking to. God doesn't want legalism. And God doesn't expect moral perfection. That's, that's what the Pharisees believed. If, if we can make everybody be good enough, then the Messiah will have to come. Listen, uh, Jesus came because we couldn't be good enough. Okay? So all the guilt you feel in life, uh, you feel like I'm just a big mess up. I'll never get it right. Uh, there's a little bit of truth in there. We can't ever get it right apart from Jesus. Okay? So, but don't walk around with the guilt of that. You shouldn't feel bad about that. That is why God sent his one and only son to die for you, to live the perfect life you couldn't that you might experience freedom from sin. He did it for you. It's called grace. You can't earn it. Right? You, you, you can't earn it. And so God's not looking for your legalism. He doesn't want moral perfection. He knows that we're incapable of that. Uh, God doesn't desire legalism. He desires love. So what does God want from me? Okay, and here it is. Ready? Here's what God wants from you. It's not that you have to drink less, cuss less, do less. I mean, like, listen, he, he, he may change all those things. But you say, God, what do you want from me today? I just want to hear from you. What do you want? Ready? God wants you more than anything else in the world to love him back. That's what God wants. God wants you to love him, right? He wants you to love him. And, and this isn't a New Testament thing. This was all through the Old Testament. The religious rulers of Jesus' day just entirely missed it. Don't believe me. I'll just pick a handful of scriptures to show you what I'm talking about. So let's, let's start in Psalm 40. Psalm 46 through 8. You don't delight in sacrifice and offering. 
You're not all about these, these rituals. You're not all about this legalism. You open my ears to listen. You don't ask for a, a whole burnt offering or a sin offering. And then I said, see, I have come. In the scroll it is written about me. I delight to do your will. My God, your instruction is deep within me. Delight and deep within me. That's talking about the heart. Right? Book of Malachi. Malachi 4, 5, and 6. Look, I'm going to send you the prophet Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will turn, what's that say? The hearts, the hearts of fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers. Otherwise, I'll come and strike. It's about the heart. Greatest commandment in all of Scripture, Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. One more, just so you know, I'm not pulling your leg. God is going to anoint a new king after Saul fails. Um, after Saul decides he's going to be a priest, right? Um, God says, this guy is not after my own heart. I'm going to anoint a new king. So he sends the prophet Samuel to Jesse's home. Now, Jesse's got some sons, y'all. And so the sons show up, and they are good looking, and they are handsome, and they are warriors. And the prophet can't help it. He sees them. He's like, oh my gosh, this has got to be the next king. To which God speaks to his prophet Samuel and says this, 1 Samuel 16, 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't look at his appearance or his stature because I've rejected him. Humans do not see what the Lord sees. For humans see what is visible, but the Lord sees the heart. The Lord is concerned with our heart. Always has been. Always has been. Since Jesus shows us what God is really like, but he also shows us what God really desires from us. And, and listen, for those of you that are struggling and you're beating yourself up constantly because you feel like you just, man, I keep messing up. I can't get it right. Listen, listen to what God wants. He, he's not expecting you to be perfect. That's why he sent his son. He knows you can't be. You know what he desires? Is your heart. He wants you to be like David, who, who when you mess up, go, oh God, forgive me, I'm an idiot. Be that person and God will embrace it right? You don't have to cover it. You don't have to hide it. You don't have to act like you've got it all together. You just have to love God and run to him over and over and over again. That is what God desires. He wants you to love him with everything you are. And as you do, he expects that love to transform the way you treat those around you, right? That's it. It is that simple. It's that simple. All right. So, <clears throat> Where does that leave us? Third point. Not only does Jesus open our eyes to what God is like and to what God desires, but he opens our eyes to our sin problem and our need for a Savior. Jesus opens our eyes to our sin problem and our need for a Savior. So this is a huge theme. Uh, I want you to notice how the discussion in John chapter 9 begins. I'll put verse 1 and 2 on the screen. Here it is. Uh, he was passing by. He saw a man blind for birth. His disciples asked him. So the beginning of this conversation. Ready? Rabbi, who sinned? So, so this, is, this is sin. It's about sin. That's, that's how they viewed it. They thought if somebody was disabled, that, that either they had sinned or their parents had sinned. To which Jesus replies in verse 3, Neither this man nor his parents sinned. Uh, this came about so God's work might be displayed in him. And then Jesus immediately shifts gears to talk about light and darkness. Okay? Jesus immediately, it isn't because of his sin, now he's going to talk about light and darkness. And what he's going to do is he's going to shed light on the darkness that is within the most moral people of Jesus' day. Okay? So the Pharisees get a bad rap, y'all. 
okay? I'm I'm one of the people that likes to wrap them up. Um, They get a bad rap, but here's the truth. The Pharisees are better than me and you, okay? They, they, They were morally way better than us. I, I, right? I mean, they, they didn't smoke or chew or date, date girls that do. I mean, they, they didn't do any of it. Uh, they, they were the, the most righteous people you would ever see. There was no cussing. There was no grunt. I mean, when you think about these people, you think, man, that's a really good person. These were the best people of Jesus' day. And what Jesus is going to do now, they're, they're like, Who's, whose sin is this? And Jesus is going to shine a light on the fact that we are all sinners. And he's going to do it by, by shining that light on the religious, on the best of the best of his day. On the best of the best of, of his day. And here's the key to it all. John 9, 39 through 40. Jesus said, I came into this world for judgment in order that those who do not see will see and those that, who do see will become blind. And, and get, there's some smart Pharisees there that day. And so some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these things and they asked him, well, we aren't blind too, are we? says, we, 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 we're not, wait, are you talking about us? <laughs> is he talking about me? Is he, is he, is he really talking about, you've had some of those conversations, that's, the Pharisees are having one of those moments, is he talking about, I think he's talking about me, right? To which Jesus responds in verse 41, well, if you were blind, you wouldn't have sin. But now that you say we see, we've got this, no, no, we're, we're the true people, we're the true spirit. If you say that, guess what? Your sin remains. And here's what Jesus is referencing. He's going to fully explain it later in John's gospel. In John chapter 15, uh, verse 22, he'll put it this way. He says, if I had not come and spoken to them, talking about the same people, if I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Jesus says, I came, I'm the light of the world, and I shed light on the darkness of their hearts. And, 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 and listen, here's the point, it's big. If the best people that you know are sinners, then guess what you are? Right? You guys follow me? If the best people you know, and I don't know who the best person in your life is. Maybe it's, uh, you know, old grandma. She's just the sweetest lady. She spent all her time on her knees. She's a prayer warrior. I mean, like, you, everybody's got somebody in their life. It was my grandpa. and he's, uh, I, I mean, that's, that's all. I, whatever that person is for you. If the best person you know is a sinner, then so are you. Jesus is shining light on our sin problem, on our need for a Savior, we have all sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all are in need of a Savior, which brings us to that last point. Last point. Jesus opens our eyes to the spiritual reality of new birth. Jesus opens our eyes to the spiritual reality of new birth. So something really cool happens. Don't miss it. All right? Jesus talked about it all the way back in chapter 3 when Nicodemus came to him in the darkness of night. What do I have to do to have eternal life? Got to be born of the Spirit. Got to be born again, Nicodemus. Right? All tied together. I'm the light of the world. You follow me, you won't walk in darkness. You're going to have the light of life. Something's going to change in you. And, and, and we get this change here. So here it is, John 9, 35, 36. Jesus heard that they had thrown the man out. And when he found him, he asked, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Well, who is he, sir, that I might believe in him, he asked. Jesus answered, You have seen him. Whole life been in darkness. You came into contact with the light of the world. And now you see. What is this testimony? I don't know. 
All I know is I was blind and now I see. So he's looking at him. He sees him and he says, I believe, Lord. And he worshiped him. He saw God. This man who was blind was now looking at the face of God. And y'all, that's our story too. And, and, and listen, this isn't natural. Can I be honest with you? Naturally, we can't see God. Some of you have been trying to do that naturally your whole life. You've been asking God, well, I've got to see a sign. I need some proof. I, I need, I mean, you're like the Pharisees, I've got to see. I've got to see. And, and, and you want to see God, but there's a problem with that. God is spirit, right? It's pretty hard to see spirit, y'all. You can feel spirit. It's pretty hard to see. You can see the effects, right? You think about the wind. You can't actually see wind. You can see the dirt that the wind picks up. You can see the branches uh, as the wind makes them sway. You can feel the wind, but you can't see it unless you look at the objects that it affects. God is spirit. So it's, it's, it, we can't naturally see God. On top of that, God had a little conversation with Moses and said, Oh, Moses, I love you, but you can't look at my face or you will die. Okay? Because God's holy, holy, holy. So, so we have a problem seeing God naturally. But here is Jesus, God in the flesh. And supernaturally, this is our story. That when we are cleansed, when we are washed by Jesus, we can see the Lord. We can see the Lord. And one day, this will literally be our story. We will see Jesus face to face. Whoo, that's good stuff. It's good stuff. So what do, we, what do we do with all of that? With the whole chapter of John? What, what should we take away? What do we need to wrestle with? I'm going to give you a couple things, and then we're going to send you away. Uh, Y'all, I think it's like nine questions this week. I'd have to go back and look. We write questions every week because want, we want you to go home. You can talk about them with a friend, uh, with a spouse, with your kids, as a family around the dinner table. You can talk about them in a small group. Um, if you're looking for one of those, see Pastor John. We'd love to get you hooked up. Um, but apart from those nine questions, I want to give you two things that I think everybody can do this week. Uh, number one, maybe some of you have already done that, but first and foremost, I would say believe in Jesus. You've got to believe in Jesus. <laughs> John wrote this, this entire gospel. These seven signs are all that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah and that by doing so, you might have life in his name. God wants you to be alive. He didn't want you to be dead. He didn't want you to feel, uh. Some of you came in feeling, uh. I get it. Sometimes I feel, uh, too, right? Some of you are like, my life is not abundant right now. Probably because you're not walking in Jesus, right? Because if you walk in Jesus, when you eat with Jesus, there's always leftovers. Doesn't mean that all my bills are always paid. It doesn't mean that my house is nicer than yours or that I've got all the things that I wanted in this world, but all of my needs are covered. I am satisfied and my spirit is overflowing. And that is the promise of God for anybody that would put their faith and trust in Christ. The moment that we believe in Jesus, we are cleansed, we are washed of our sin, and we see God. We enter into relationship with God. We become his kids. He hears our prayers. We get to talk to him. We don't have to go through an intermediary. I love you guys. I love praying for you. That's cool. But sometimes you email me, Pastor, can you pray for me? I'm like, you could pray for yourself. Um, but I'd love to pray for you. But you got access to the same God I got access to. I'm not a priest. Just a pastor. All right? Talk to Jesus. Believe in Jesus. If you haven't done that, we've been preaching this for weeks now. Let today be the day of your salvation. You say, how do I do that, Pastor? Uh, we talked about sin. You need to confess it. Say, Lord, I am a sinner. 
You've got to understand that God is holy, holy, holy. I can't make myself right with God. There's nothing I can do. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says uh, that we're saved by grace. Uh, it's, a, it's a free gift of God. It's not by work so that none of us could both. I, I, some of you are really good at what you do. Man, we, we've, got, we've got really smart, um, you know, uh, everything from, from bankers to teachers to, I got people that can fix cars and houses and you guys can do all kinds of great things. I, and that's awesome. I'm glad the Lord's given you skills, but none of those will get you to heaven. Because none of those make you holy. None of those erase the sin that we all commit. None of them. You need Jesus. He was perfect. He died in your place. Let him cover your sin. Believe in him. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I heard I need a Savior. Come into my life. Save me. Just start there. Super simple prayer. He will honor it. Okay? So start there. Number two, I want to challenge you to make Jesus your spiritual lens. Uh, Make Jesus your spiritual lens. Jesus is how we see Jesus is how we see God. Uh, It's how we see what God wants of us. Uh, I mean, Jesus is it. Jesus is the answer. And so I want to challenge you to make Jesus your spiritual lens, okay? So I'm going to give you some don'ts because some of you walked in with some different tinted spiritual glasses. I want to break them, all right? So take your jacked up spiritual lenses and crack them right now and we're going to put on Jesus. Uh, So don't let your trauma be your lens, okay? Uh, life is hard, we all get hurt, and, and it is super easy to take our trauma and to allow that to affect how we view God, how we view ourselves, and how we view others. That is not right. It's not right, right? So some of us, because of, because of our trauma, man, uh, hands off. Get away from me. We're, we're defensive. Oh, I'm just going to get hurt again. We spend our whole lives guarded, and so we never get loved by, God, by, by other people because that's who God uses to love us. So we, we hold them off at a distance, and we spend our whole life cranky, mean, and angry, okay? Others of us, by our trauma, through that same lens of trauma, now we give ourselves away to everyone, right? And we are used up. We are. And the good news for both parties is here is Jesus today saying, come to me, all of you who are tired of it. Man, if you're tired of not having anybody in your life, if you're tired of having everyone in your life, come to me. Oh, you who are weary and I will give you rest. So don't let your trauma be your lens. Let Jesus be your lens. Number two, don't let your emotions or your feelings be your lens. Man, the heart is deceitful above all else and beyond cure. Man, you are going to feel things in life, and they're not always right. And I know what our world says, that you are how you feel, but that is a bunch of junk. I want to say other words in church. That is a, it's a, it's a lie from the devil himself. Your heart lies to you. You are not always how you feel, right? So, so we, CBT, right? I've got, I've got feelings. I've got, I've got thoughts. I've, I've got actions. They feed into one another. And, and so listen, sometimes you feel bad because you've been doing the wrong stuff, right? And, and you've been thinking the wrong thoughts. So you've got to find the lie. You've got to take it out. You've got to put in the truth. That's the word of God. Then you've got to start doing the things that you don't feel like doing. And eventually the feelings will come. I believe it with all my heart right? Jesus has to be my lens though, y'all. I have to go, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Listen, I know life is tough. And sometimes we get to a place where we feel like, you know what, nobody, like the world would be better off without me. Maybe you've had that thought. That's not the truth though. I've, I've had those thoughts. Man, I, 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 I know your struggle. And yet then, then God in, in moments of clarity shows me the face of my wife or my kids or you. I go, gosh, what an idiot. What, Lord, what do you say? You value me higher than the angels. 
that you sent your son to redeem me and to save me and to adopt me and to make me yours. And I am valuable unto you, right? And so, man, we, we replace that lie with the truth. And then I got to start doing the right things. And so I'm, I'm withdrawn. I have to go be around people even if I don't feel like it. Because so, that's how God is going to love me through them. And I've got to put myself out there and I start, uh, I start worshiping in church again. And I start finding that freedom slowly. Those feelings return. Don't let society be your lens. Y'all, our world is jacked. Our, our world doesn't even know the difference between a biological male and a biological female. Like, they can't agree upon that. It's a problem. And if you let those people dictate what truth or reality is, you are lost. Right? Jesus has to be your lens. Don't let mommy and daddy issues affect how you view God or yourself or the world. And that could go back into trauma, but man, some of us have big ones. Jesus is the only way we can see God. He is the only way we can see what God wants from us. He's the only way we can see our sin, our need for him, right? Jesus is our answer. Jesus is our answer. Church, would you pray with me this morning? King Jesus, I pray you'd be glorified in our lives. I pray for every person in this room that's been dealing with some of the stuff that was just spoken. And I pray right now, by the power of your name, that you would cast out the lies that we've believed, the lenses that we've been viewing you and ourselves and others through, and that today we would put on you, Jesus. Come into our hearts and forgive us of our sin. Take your proper place in our lives again on the throne and let everything we see be through your perfect life and your sacrificial death for our sake. Let us interpret what we think about God, what we think about ourselves, and what we think about others all through your life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Uh, Y'all, I tried. Uh, I knew I was going to run over this week. I was looking. I, I cut stuff out. I know you don't think I did. I really did. I cut stuff out. Um, we've, we've got to do this. Uh, it is the last Sunday of the month, guys. We've only got a couple of these left. We're, we're moving soon into that new building. Uh, I've got some beautiful updates for you. But y'all, there's still some need. So I'm going to go through this fast, and then I'm going to ask you to give. Uh, if at very least, today be the day you start praying about seriously giving. We've got to get across that finish line. So here we go, construction update. Uh, all right, uh, landscaping. Y'all see grass? There's grass. There are trees on that building. Uh, we got our monument sign, so it looks like we live there, but we don't yet. And um, we're going to go put a temporary banner that says we're meeting here, and then the city will find us for putting it up, and it'll be fine. Uh, and uh, uh, we have flooring in the building. We have cabinets in the building. Those things are really happening. Uh, let's go. Uh, next one. Okay. So financial outlook. Our goal when we started this, we said we wanted to have $100,000 in the bank. That was going to pay for the interest payments for the year. Um, we don't have $100,000 in the bank, y'all. Uh, and you know, we've had all kinds of cost overruns. Some of those we think were due, uh, specifically uh, because of our, our relationship with our architect and some things that they didn't do. We have given them a demand letter. We're hoping to get some of that money back, hopefully all of it. Um, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but it could be, reality, guys, is it could be none of it, right, in the world we live in today. So just, I'm, just, I'm just telling you. So the goal was 100000 Currently, there's 60000 in the bank. Uh, so that's a shortfall of about forty. Uh, but... In, Minus that 60 is this. I put it in pink because we hadn't paid for it yet, but it, it's, it's kind of a done deal. Is the concrete, there are some areas that are going to be concrete floors, and, and the deal that they, it was bad. They were bad. 
so there were some stains that happened during construction, some things that just we, we didn't feel would be acceptable. So uh, we are going to polish the concrete in those areas. It is $13,000. That means we've really got something like $47,000 in the bank, forty-seven five. Okay, and, and, and we're not done yet, right? There, there could be other things that come up, but that's where we are. Now, in addition, there are things that we thought would be done that I could add to that architect list uh, that, that, that aren't done. For instance, like they, they had a little keyless entry. We don't want to hand out keys to the new building when people rent it, right? They're like master keys. We don't want people, you know, it's a big expensive building. So we wanted uh, keyless entry pads uh, where you have temporary codes and it only gets you in during the set time you rented it. Uh, we still want to do that, but y'all, that's, that's, that's another $12,000. So that is now on our optional list. Um, we want to cover up the big ditch in the back. Uh, it's going to have grass in it. It won't look as quite as ugly as it does right now. Uh, they've, they've already graded it. It looks way better than it used to. Uh, but but, uh, but that, to, to cover that, uh, we've got to put in some pipe, and then we're going to put dirt over it so that we can just have access um, from the back of the building to all of our, our property. Uh, is it going to be about $50,000? So that's on our wish list. Uh, playground shade. Um, that's something we, we've got the playground. We don't have any shade. There's no, there's no tree in it. Like out here, we have the giant tree. The children are going to fry, okay? So we, we, we're looking for uh, shade options. So, and I'm sharing this with you because maybe the Lord puts one of these on your heart. And you go, oh God, yeah, I'm in. I'm in, right? So, so just know, uh, I asked you at the beginning of, of December uh, to start praying. Prayer, uh, 100 people, $100,000 in 100 days. We're probably at the 100 days, but the Lord's given us a little grace. We've got a little more time. So we're at about $64,000 right now. Um, so, so we're short, you know, 35 and some change. Uh, and, and we're, and we're going to get there. I think it's going to happen. But guys, it only happens if church, if we pray about it and we go, yeah, I'm in. Yeah, I'm in. This is what I can do. Uh, I'm not great at math. I'm not. But I was thinking the other day, I was like, okay, so if 100 families gave $500, that's $50,000, right? So my, y'all checked out that math in my head? Okay, so like 100 families gave 350, that's $35,000, we're done. Uh, we, we have over 100 active families, and, and I get that. You're going, man, that's savings. That's, like, I understand, but I'm asking you to pray. Just pray about your part, what you can give, even if you're not giving this morning, but you walk away going, I'm committed to pray about what we can give to finish this well. Uh, God is in it, uh, okay? So yes, I'm not lying to you. I've had moments where I've sweated. I've had moments that I've been up at night going, God, why can't I stop thinking about this? Um, I, but having said that, I preach to myself daily, God, you've got this. God, you've got this. God is going to do a great work. I believe it. We're already seeing it. Just wait until we're there, guys. It's going to be so good. So having said all that, we're going to ask uh, you to give this morning. If you can give something above and beyond what you typically give, um, I'm going to give you just a few minutes uh, to give that. Saeed, could you give us a little bit of music uh, for people to, to listen to while they give here for the next 30, 40 seconds? Yes, music we have. Uh, I'm going to pray. I'm going to give you 30, 40 seconds to give, and then we got announcements. we got to kick you out. Father, thanks for loving us. You are so good. Um, God, take these gifts. Move on our hearts. Help us finish well, Lord. We love you so much. Just move. Use us to do more than we ever thought was uh, uh, capable. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen.